You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Good morning once again. We want to welcome everybody here. We appreciate everybody's presence so much and encourage you to come back. We meet again on Wednesday at 7 and we have a good Zoom home study going on at 7 that I've become uh, pretty used to. It's a little bit different, but you get used to it after a while. Appreciate very much another opportunity to preach. I uh, uh, sure enjoy it, and I hope I do good for you all, too, as I, as I uh, present these lessons. One thing that's been a real good encouragement to myself has been this Internet that Jay helps with. Uh, these sermons uh, get printed and get spread all over the nation. And uh, my friends who... Some aren't Christians and some are. Uh, feel free to critique me and <laughs> talk about my uh, lessons. I enjoy that so much, hearing what they think. And uh, I sometimes even listen to what they say. So I made some changes here to this presentation uh, this week. And we'll see if you all, if you all like it. But uh, whatever happens, uh, be sure to pay attention and let me know if I go off track and get me straightened out. I'd, I'd appreciate that. Very, very much. Uh, this is a good encouragement to us, and that's what I try to do in my lessons also. Uh, we, uh, at home, we've been reading uh, in the Gospels uh, daily, mostly daily, I should say, and uh, we uh, decided to start reading in parallel passages in the New Testament. And I've uh, really found that to be something encouraging for me, and uh uh, something that has increased my uh, uh, desire to uh, study and more because I've just found it so interesting when you read the parallel passages together, you can kind of place uh, stuff in it uh, uh, in different places and it uh, just comes together for me. So I would like to encourage you all to study more too and I'm just suggesting these parallel passages one way that you can do this uh, and it's, uh, it's great to do. Uh, of course, we have the great uh, commendation here in uh, Acts chapter 17 about the brethren in Berea. Paul's just thrown out uh, of Thessalonica, and he went on down to uh, Berea, and those people, he says, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they received word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's great encouragement for us. And of course, that's how we should be also when we talk about the Bible. We should be eager to look at it and gain all that we can from it as days go by. I really struggled with my uh, old laptop here on this sermon, so we hope it all comes together for us today and then also I noticed this screen being so faded and stuff and it's been quite a while since we set up all this preaching apparatus so it needs a little tweaking. I think Christians need to uh, assess themselves also from time to time and see where they're at. So this lesson is kind of going to float around a little bit because there's some things I wanted to uh, cover here in this uh, uh, lesson but hopefully it'll all come together so that you guys can uh, gain something great uh, for your life also, as I found in my reading of the, of the Bible. I uh, uh, ask myself the question, and sometimes I get asked this, uh, people that see my uh, uh, sermons, you know, 
ask me questions, and, and you want to first decide why is it valuable to uh, study the gospel. And uh, the scriptures that we have in the Old and New Testament are so great for us and so good for our lives and uh, show us meaning and gives us direction. And uh, reading scriptures strengthen our faith, lots of good things. But uh, one of the greater things I see, and I see mankind kind of floating away from this idea, is found for us in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. There the prophet says, For my thoughts, or God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For I testify... And then also I wanted to read in uh, Revelation chapter 22, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues are written in the book. So that tells us how important the scriptures for us to study, and also it tells us how important us to stay on topic and to uh, pay attention and not to add things, not to take away things. We need to be very careful and how we handle this gospel that's put before us. So when we're reading the gospels, we might want to ask ourselves, uh, what are we looking for? What are the things we're trying to do? We see in 2 Timothy that we need to be diligent, and we need to present ourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of my favorite verses, and I think I put, yeah, I put the, NIV here, a version of this 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 where it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Particularly like that version of this scripture found in the NIV. It talks about how being God-breathed, as if God is telling them in their ear of these scriptures they should use. Many of your versions will say, Scripture is God-inspired. Same story there. So why are we looking for these things? And what are we looking for when we're studying the scriptures? Now you're going to get a little lesson on authority here as we continue on here. The first thing we're looking for when we're studying the scripture is what commandments we find in the Holy Scripture. 2 John 9 warns us, says, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of both the Father and Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. 2 John verse 9, that's the NIV version of that. So let me give you an example of a direct command. There's lots of them in the Bible, but I just wanted to illustrate it with one. And this is found for us in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, there in verse 24 through 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the matter of son, but exhorting one another, and so much more, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we have a commandment here in Hebrews that was given to us and tells us to be careful to not forsake the assembly and tells us why. Well, those are commandments. We don't have any uh, debate over that, do we? We know that that is something we're commanded to do. What else are we looking for when we're studying for the Bible? Another thing I look for is examples. 
All these examples we find in the uh, Bible are from God. We see in John chapter 13, Jesus says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. We also hear Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians there in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So we're looking for that imitation, aren't we? We're looking for examples that we can see in the Bible. I'll give you an example, and I use the Latin word here so we don't get it confused with my title. Uh, Here's an example found for us in Acts chapter 11. The disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea, as they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So that shows us an example of how they took care of the benevolent needs of the saints. There it just shows us how they did it. Guess what? That's how we should do it also. (laughs) These examples are from God. Now this next idea when it comes to Biblical authority is sometimes called necessary inference, sometimes called necessary conclusion, necessary logic. I think people get kind of caught up in the title and think it's more liberal of of an idea than what it is. It's not. And we'll show you an example here. We know throughout Paul's, I think I found five or six uh, passages in Acts, mostly in Acts, where Paul talks about him reasoning. Here it says in Acts 17 and verse 17. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. See, Paul's reasoning with them. He's wanting them to use their brains, use their logic. And it's something that's obvious, something without much of a stretch at all. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 3, there in verse 16. When he, that is Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, (coughs) alighting upon him. You see what we conclude there? Jesus wasn't sprinkled on. Jesus wasn't poured on. It says here, Jesus came up out of the water. As the baptismo, the Latin word suggests, he was immersed. And we can see that quite plainly. That's something logical. That's a necessary conclusion we see from Matthew chapter 3, there in verse 16. So those are things I'm looking for when I'm studying the Bible and what I enjoy to see. Those things help me in my life. We know that all this authority we see in the Bible comes from God. We know that we should listen to direct commands that we see in the Bible. We also know that we should look for examples and apply those to our lives in the New Testament. Also, we see that we can use our brains and come to necessary conclusion on certain ideas. That's the authority we see, and that's why we encourage people, and why I'm encouraging you today to study the Bible and do it often, so much for our lives. Okay, that was your little side lesson. Get back to our topic the parallel Gospels. You know, I get to, whenever I put these lessons together, I get off on some of these uh, references and stuff by these biblical scholars, and they have all kinds of fancy words for different things uh, in the Bible, and I find that kind of intriguing. But one of the fancy words they've come up with for the three Gospels, <coughs> Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call them synoptic, synoptic, there it is, uh, Gospels, 
That just simply means they see together. And uh, that's an interesting thing, and that kind of promoted this idea of looking at parallel Gospels. I have a little bit of problem with this term, and that even John shows some parallels in it also. So I know John's different, but uh, I don't really see the great division that the biblical scholars do. So that's just my two cents there. You know, when we read these parallel versions of passages, can we see that it confirms the word? That makes it more uh, relevant to us. We also see that it clarifies the word of God when you read them all together. You know, and the thing that impresses me, it kind of leaves us in awe. You think about it, the consistency throughout the Gospels, the coherency throughout the Gospel. That just amazes me. That inspires me. That encourages me to do more. One thing for sure, all the Gospels point to the same Jesus. And that's important too. It all comes together when you do a study like this. You know, others in this congregation, in your family, people outside the church, all of them have a vested interest in your growth. And that's why we're encouraging people to grow more. We read in Colossians chapter 1. Read with me if you would. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are encouraged to grow as Christians. Others want us to grow as Christians. God wants us to grow as Christians. Such an important work for us to do in our own personal lives. Okay, let's look at some examples now as we go through this, uh, uh, as we go through this lesson here. First one I wanted to look at has parallel visions. It's what I call the anointing at Bethany. What I think I'm going to do is I'll kind of go through the story. I didn't want to read all three versions of the anointing at Bethany. So we'll see how this works out. And then I'll point out to you the uh, differences between the three books when it comes to this uh, appointing at Bethany. Let's first look at the Gospel of Mark, and it's found in chapter 14, if you want to turn to it in your Bible. Well, it's anointing at Bethany, we heard, uh, began during a Passover celebration. And uh, we see that... uh, 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 I think i got a miss... uh, point there in my next story. Skip uh, the Simon the leper. And the next bullet is a woman uh, uh, came to this, as we hear in Mark chapter 14, and she had with her a uh, uh, vial, a uh, uh, a vial of very expensive perfume. Uh, We hear this as spikenard uh, later in the story. (laughs) And people were quite impressed with this perfume, and I started talking about it a little bit with Bobby, and sure enough, she showed me a bottle of uh, spikenard. And uh, impressive stuff has a quite a fragrance to it, and still used today for perfumes. And you can read all the benefits of spikenard if you want. But uh, I can see one thing it does is it has a calming effect, and uh, I can see how that was relevant to Jesus at this time if it had that kind of effect with her. We further read in Mark chapter uh, 14 that uh, this perfume 
was poured on Jesus' head during this gathering here, and many thought that was quite a wasteful, wasteful thing for such an expensive perfume. So that's Mark's story of this anointing at Bethany here found for us in Mark 14. Well, we have a parallel passage about this anointing, and that is found for us in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, that's found in Matthew chapter 26. Well, then we read in that parallel version, same things going on. Somebody shows up perfume. Uh, uh, we have uh, Jesus having it poured on him. But we see that it wasn't just the people there. It was the disciples that were indignant about this costly perfume being uh, poured on Jesus. So that's another element we see added to the story here at Bethany. And then we go to our non-synoptic gospel found for us in John, but parallel to Mark and Matthew, and we get some more information, kind of completes the story for us. So this version is found for us in John chapter 12. Well, we found out who the woman was who brought this perfume, and it was Mary of Mary and Martha. So that's an interesting Interesting uh, tidbit for us to hear in chapter John. Also, we hear that this perfume was poured on his head, which is usual way of anointing, but also poured on his feet. That was, some, that was a, a violation of social norms, that she was at his feet. Not be, that was more of a subservient type of a thing. Here she was pouring this expensive perfume on her hair on his feet and on his, on his head. And also we see that she used her hair to uh, uh, wipe or to dry his uh, feet also. So that's some interesting details for us to consider and kind of completes the story. I thought this was interesting too, this perfume uh, poured in abundance on Christ's head and on his feet, fragranced the entire house. They were all involved in this perfume and this uh, uh, expensive oil that was used in this fragrance. Then we find out a little more about the indignation found for us in John chapter 12. We hear that Judas, that one that betrayed Christ, was especially indignant. And it wasn't because why you would think. It's because of his thievery and his greed. He was thought he could uh, use that perfume money for uh, uh, his own grade, and that says it tells us that he was dipping into the cash box here. So we hear that it's Judas. And the last bit of uh, information we see is that uh, <coughs> the worth of this alabaster jar of spikenard was worth about a, a year's worth of wages. That's a lot of money to pour out on Jesus. So I thought that was very interesting. If you read all three of those together, you get a good picture of what happened in uh, uh, that uh, house in Bethany on that Passover. Quite a few lessons we can learn in this one little brief story considering this anointing at Bethany. So these are lessons that we have from uh, Bethany. Uh, one of the things it said in uh, Mark, I believe, was Jesus was commenting on the disciples being so indignant about the waste that they considered this waste of perfume. 
He told us that we'll always have the poor with us. And of course, that's been proven throughout the ages. It's unfortunate that the poor will always be around us. Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's not their fault. But unfortunately, this world is constructed in such a way, depending on where you're born, who you're born to, and etc., you might find yourself poor. We've never, ever, uh, with many the politicians have made de- great declarations, but we've never gotten rid of poverty in this world, and we never will. Also, here's a few other things we learned from this story. Mary's been such a great example for us. There's another story about her in Luke chapter 10, which Jesus was in their house. And we have Mary kneeling down and uh, uh, listening to Jesus, where her sister is uh, getting things prepared for all the guests who have besieged their house. <clears throat> we see uh, Jesus commenting on this in Luke chapter 10. There Jesus answered and said to her, Martha had been complaining about Mary, not helping out with the serving. Mary was just concerned about what Jesus had to say. Jesus answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You can just see him pausing right there and asking Martha to think about that. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary stuck to that. We see that still going on here as he came across Jesus at another time. That's something we all need to understand too. There's really just one thing that is needed, and that's the good part we find in Jesus Christ. That's a warning to us all, not just to Martha. Also, uh, in this story we found in Mark chapter 14 about the anointing at Bethany, there's another lesson uh, about Mary and her knowing what was important. I think it's good for us to read too this morning. So we're in Mark 14, uh, reading verses uh, 6 through 9. Jesus said, let her alone. See, the disciples, especially Judas, were complaining about Mary again, weren't they? They were saying, uh, you know, she's wasted all this money uh, on, uh, on this perfume just to pour it out on Jesus. Jesus responded to that in Mark 14, verse 6. He said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. But you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, when, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. That's a memorial we need to keep today, isn't it? That's why we need to read about Mary every now and then uh, to see what she has done, how she chose to do the good things, the important things, to take care of Jesus. And another connection was a new lesson for me had to do with Jesus connecting his coming death his resurrection and his ascension with this same anointing they had here in this place on Passover that was quite intriguing to me when you put it all together and you read all the parallel gospels together too those lessons didn't come out and you become quite impressed 
with what's before you. Let's look at one more example. We'll call this the leper that was healed. We have versions of this in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And we'll first go to Gospel of Matthew there in chapter 8. Here Jesus had just come down from preaching on the, they call it the Sermon on the Mount. I think it should be called the Sermon on the Hill. But uh, uh, he had just come down. While I was studying for this lesson, I looked at different pictures where they thought uh, this might have happened. There's a couple of hills around in Galilee that uh, have nice views of the Sea of Galilee. So you can imagine that maybe. Uh, they built a big chapel on one of them, so they ordained that one as the hill. I don't know how they could figure out what hill it was. But there's some nice hills overlooking the sea. So Jesus went there early on in his preaching and preached this great sermon. We call the Sermon on the Mount. Well, coming down from the hill, he met a leper. This leper dropped to his knees and begged to be healed. He wanted to, this, this horrible disease to be gone from his body. This leper uh, created quite a bit of faith, showed us quite a bit of faith. He knew that if Jesus was willing, says in Matthew chapter 8, it would happen. He just knew that for certain. So he was desperate to take Jesus take notice of him and to help him. <clears throat> Jesus did. The Bible tells us all he did was reach down and touched him, and he was healed. And he gave him some instructions here in chapter 8 of Matthew. He said, uh, don't tell anybody about this. Let's just keep it between you and me. Okay, it's funny for me to think about. Uh, uh, Jesus had his reasons for saying that, but also he knew it wasn't going to happen. Let's read the parallel version now in the Gospel of Luke, there in chapter 5. Here we see this leper was covered with leprosy. It says in Luke chapter 5, he was severely afflicted. I don't think I've ever seen anybody with leprosy, but... This seen photo descriptions of it. It could be horrible. I mean, body parts will be dropping off of these people. And this man was severely afflicted. So he's probably mostly covered. Oh, what was the movie where they found the lepers? I forgot the name of it. But they were mostly covered and sores all over. Severe pain. We see this leper was in that state. State of uh, effect. Also, reading in Luke chapter 9. We see, we see that Jesus told him to keep quiet, but also told him to go tell the priests. Go show yourself to the priests. So that was the rule. That was the law of the Old Testament. If you decided you were cured from leprosy, you had to be pronounced cured by the priests. So Jesus here, tell him to do what's right. Do what the Old Testament law tells us to do. But also we see in Luke chapter 5, the news of this healing spread rapidly. Just like we hear today on rumors, this thing spread. I mean, they didn't have the internet even back then. And these rumors spread throughout the multitude greatly. We see in Luke chapter 5. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. And we'll see the third version of this leopard being healed. Here we see that Jesus was filled with compassion. That's a good lesson. Uh, Jesus and his uh, greatness... Uh, still had a lot of compassion for the people he had run into from day to day. This man who was going to sit on the right hand of the throne of God had great compassion for those around us. And there's a good lesson there someday for us too about Jesus and his compassion for man. 
here we say he was filled with compassion. He noticed the suffering of this leopard. He wanted to do something to help him. Well, he gave him, after he healed him with just a touch, he gave him a very strong warning, it says in Mark chapter 1, not to tell anybody what had happened. Instead, uh, this leper told everybody. I mean, he said, remember me? <laughs> I was a guy that was covered with sores. And now look at me, I'm healed. This man, Jesus, did this to me. Uh, this spread all over, and he kept, uh, uh, kept spreading it. In fact, we see finally in Mark chapter 1, that this even hampered Jesus in his travels. It said that he had to go by himself quite a bit. He couldn't come and stay in town even. He had to park outside. And when he came to town, there was so much commotion, he had to kind of control it. Also, I know I'd be like this. He would withdraw from time to time so he could pray, just to get his thoughts back together. That was an interesting point, I think, of this hearing, healing of this leopard there uh, up in Galilee. What lessons might we learn from this leopard being healed? Lessons from Capernaum. First of all, I want you to notice the great power of faith. This man had no concerns about uh, Jesus Christ. It wasn't just some gamble he was taking. He knew that if he could get in front of Jesus, get his attention, uh, he would be healed. They said that he begged. They said that he fell on his face. Got Jesus' attention. You see how quickly he handled the situation. Also, as I told, as I said before, we see that uh, Jesus had great compassion for men. I remember him crying about to Jerusalem and what was going to happen to him. He cried when Lazarus died. There's probably a multitude of instances aren't recorded about Jesus being invested and compassionate for the men here on earth. That's a great story for us to look into. Also, we see that Jesus stuck to God's commands. He knew the appropriate thing to do, the correct thing to do, was for this man to go to the priest after he was healed. And he told him, go do this. We need to obey God's commands. The final story Part of this story that I thought uh, needed a lesson for us this morning was Jesus' example of withdrawing and praying. I think we all need to find time with ourselves and God from time to time. We need to withdraw and spend some time praying and considering things. That's why uh, I like doing these lessons. I like uh, going through these lessons and deeply studying certain topics. That's something we need to do to do. I like praying about these lessons and that uh, hopefully I can pull these things off without too much trouble. And we hope that uh, also I pray that they're beneficial to my audience also. So Jesus here in Capernaum uh, set a great example for us about him withdrawing and praying. I was kind of going through a lesson to some good ladies over at the house and they were a little concerned it might go a little long so <laughs> I think I thought I keep an eye on the clock I'm in good shape and we're almost done to keep your attention here I wanted to summarize this lesson you know it kind of went all over the place I wanted to get some little bit in there about authority we need to be refreshed about that from time to time so that's how I went off on that three-point study there <coughs> about authority 
Unfortunately, I think that's a big problem in the Lord's church and outside of the Lord's church. If people are dismissing biblical authority, uh, it's always been like that. People don't want to do things. They'll find some ways to get around it. But uh, I think we need to make sure our young people know about this. We need to know that we need to make sure our old people know about this. We need to continually preach on the great authority that we have in the Bible. Also, some other side lessons in there, and all preachers can do this with their lessons. Uh, we had a little lesson on baptism there. That's important for our saving of our souls also. And we had some other lessons about these examples. All those things are great. And I guess the main thing we want to know this morning is we all need to resolve. We need to resolve to grow. And the only way we're going to grow is by studying and do the will of God. I wanted to go to Hebrews chapter 6 and read a couple verses there. <clears throat> Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Here the author of Hebrews is telling us, let's grow. Let's get away from these elementary principles of Christ. Let's go up higher. Let's continue to press forward to perfection. We all need to have that goal in our life. No matter how old we are, (laughs) doesn't matter how young we are, we all need to grow as Christians. So devote yourselves to the study of God's word and to the discussion of these principles that we have before us. We have such a great blessing to have the Holy Scripture God in front of us and that we can study from and learn these great lessons. Great blessings of having this place here. Or we can come and hear the Scripture of God and continue to grow also. We have the great blessing of others, Christians, of like faith, that encourage us. Those are all things we need to be thankful for. So let's grow and study. And this lesson on parallel Gospels. So it's just one way you can study that might bring a little more intrigue. I wanted to wrap this up this morning talking uh, about our Great Commission. You know, in this verse that's all familiar to you in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, of course, it happened on that hill right before Jesus ascended into heaven. Of course, he wanted to leave us with some final words, those disciples. And those that were gathered on the hill with him knew that he was speaking to them. But, uh, you know, he's speaking to us also centuries later. And it kind of a great verse for wrapping up this lesson. And I'll read it again for you. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, age. Amen. Matthew chapter 28 and 18. We want you to consider yourself this morning. Have you fallen away from these scriptures of God? Have they not become the priority in your life that you think they should be? If that's your problem, we'd like to help you with that. Also, if you've yet to name Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to imitate Jesus, be raised out of the water and baptized, just like he was, for the remission of your sins. 
Jesus didn't meet his sins remitted, but we do in our lives. You need to believe in Christ Jesus, confess your sins, turn away from those sins, be baptized to live with Christ Jesus and to grow as Christians. If you want to subject to this invitation this morning. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.